Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am your one of your co-hosts for today's show, Aaron Richards. I'm joined here in studio by my friend and brother in Christ, Brad Pierre. Welcome, Brad, to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. It's good to be back. It's good to it's good to be here, man. Uh, Beyond yeah. Damascus, you guys know it's it's the show where encounter meets mission. Like Saint Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was there. His life was transformed forever, and he became uh, the the missionary apostle of uh, of of our dreams. Right. So <laughs> we too here at Damascus, Brad and I, we work at an awesome campus in Central Ohio called Damascus, mm-hmm. and uh, that's our mission every day. It's to create environments where we can we can see the Lord Jesus awaken and empower and equip um, a generation to live the adventure of a Catholic, of the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're so pumped to be here with you today. Today's show is going to be awesome as we dive into what it means to be a resurrection people. You know, what it means specifically to be missionaries who are oriented toward a resurrection lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, I've really enjoyed planning today's show with Brad. Um, you're going to be in for a treat. Brad, will you kick us off in prayer? Yeah, I can. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of this day. Thank you yeah, for Lord. the gift of resurrection. Thank you for all the ways that you breathe your new life into us. We pray that this session today wouldn't just be a session of words, but a session of power. We pray that you would manifest what you're speaking through Aaron and I in us and in all of our listeners. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing with us uh, this this privilege to labor with you on mission in your church. God, we want to be a part of your story. Um, so we, we, we attach ourselves so closely to you and we pray that in all the times where we're tempted to, uh, to miss that invitation, that you would remind us again, that this is where, this is where true strength is found. This is where true peace is found. This is where mission is found. We pray this all in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Uh, you know, Brad, I, I often will will apologize or or say that I um, that I don't like to do this, but I think I do this almost every show. So I'm just I'm going to date us again. Mm-hmm. Spring is in the air, man. Mm-hmm. It's been a long it's been a long winter here at Damascus. We've been under snow for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, and here as we're as we're celebrating the season of Easter, um, we are. I am pumped to be able to look outside and see sun shining and yeah. see leaves growing. And it, it, it's just, it's good to, it's good to share that joy. It changes things, you know? Yeah. Winter helps you appreciate spring. It's Amen. almost like, yeah, it, it unfolds the story that we live in all the time, that it's through the difficulties that the victories taste sweeter. And I, I think we're, we're talking about Easter and just the Easter season And I am blown away time and time again that it's actually best for me to go through, you know, the Lenten season that's now passed. Uh It's best for me to go through Holy Thursday and Good Friday and Holy Saturday in light of Easter Sunday. And so, too, in light of Easter Sunday, seeing the Triduum, like it's just so important to see things as they unfold. And you're right, like seeing the sunshine, it's 
a great blessing after, I don't know, months of a permanent cloud in the air. And, uh, <laughs> welcome, <that's, laughs> welcome to Ohio. <laughs> welcome to Ohio. But, um, no, I, I've just, it's actually been in this season here at Damascus that we've been onboarding a lot of our missionaries for the summer and for the yeah. full time year. And I'm beginning just to see in the onboarding process, all that it takes to prepare someone for mission, you yeah. know, all the things it takes to prepare someone for what is to come. Yeah. And God always does that. You know, he always does that. And in simple and profound ways, he prepares us to appreciate the spring by letting us go through winter. He helps us to appreciate Easter by going through the triduum with him. Yeah. And, uh, and I just see in this onboarding process, the missionaries, like they're excited to give their lives. They're excited to live. But first they have to do all these practical things to, establish themselves in a way that permits them to serve yeah. on mission in the summer. So friends, if you don't know Brad, Brad serves here at Damascus as the director of our missionary program. One of the main priorities of our missionary program is the re- recruitment identification of missionaries who are going to serve here. Uh, we're so blessed. God has, God has truly expanded our territory here at, at Damascus. When, when we, when we started this humble little uh, mission campus back in 2016. We were, we were serving a, a thousand kids every summer mm-hmm. at an amazing summer camp called Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And if you know our story, you know that in the past five, six years, we've, we've just seen, we've seen extraordinary growth. Um, you know, we, certainly we've got some good people who do good stuff, but yeah. it's, because, it's because we've said yes to the Lord and his, his dreams are just so generous and Always. so beyond our expectation, uh, we're, 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 I was talking to a group of, um, of individuals last night over, over dinner and they were, they asked us, they asked me kind of what the, what the interview process has been mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I looked over and I was like, well, you know, in June we will, or in May rather, we will bring on 180 new employees. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> here at our, here in our little campus and central Ohio and, uh, his jaw dropped mm-hmm. and, you know, for, for any, for any business bringing on 180 new people is not, it's no small task, man, No, but you do this every single year. Yeah, we do it every year. And, and you, well, to your point, you're just doing what's in front of you. So you don't even recognize the magnitude of it until you talk to someone outside of here. And there's a great mentor in my life and he works for a fortune 500 company and we were talking about the onboarding process and he goes, wait, you onboard over 150 new people every year. And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, do they have any kind of training in your core values and using all of the language that we call our missionary mindset? And uh, I say, well, we have 10 days before the summer starts to fully entrench them in it. But Uh, yeah, what a gift. And it's, it's really cool because it's only through you know, something happening in front of you that's bigger than you, that when someone else shares it with you, you see, wow, God, you're actually working in me in profound ways that I wouldn't have known without that perspective of that mentor of mine or whoever. Well, um, Brad, have you, I'm sure, you know, this is a part I have enjoyed over the course of my engagement with Damascus um, for years, the process of identifying and seeking out and recruiting mm-hmm. um, just amazing people and yeah. aligning people with the mission that God's called for their life. Yeah. Um, are there any stories that stand out this year of just like amazing connections that you want to witness to? Yeah. Well, there's, there's so many every year. So unique, right. And this being a year where we weren't able to do the recruiting efforts we normally do, right. Like we usually That's go right. to college campuses right. and a lot of college campuses over the course of the year were yeah. Hesitant to allow in, 
outside parties for all of the reasons that we know so well, right? Pandemic and all the things. And this year, it's amazing to me, first of all, that we had more applications than we've ever had before. Mm -hmm. But a couple of the stories that stand out are people that actually heard stories in their little pockets of Catholics on campus about this camp in Ohio that was able to operate through last summer. And they hadn't (laughs) heard of other camps that had the opportunity to do that. And they're like, I wanted to serve in a camp capacity last summer, but I couldn't find any place that was going to be open. Yeah. And so this year they apply for camp at Damascus, like obviously Catholic youth summer camp being our flagship program here at Damascus. For those of you who might not know the language I'm using here, but yeah, they are like, I wanted to serve at Catholic youth summer camp because I heard that Damascus operated last summer. And if you're going to operate again this summer, I would love to have the surety that I can serve the Lord with my summer. So I think I want to speak that as hope for our listeners because sometimes we can see all of the ways that young adults and young people stray. And obviously that's happening, but let's not miss that. There are so many young adults in our church that the Holy spirit is invigorating with purpose, like great purpose to serve the church in profound ways and in abnormal seasons. And so that's something that stands out to me. That's probably been not even joking, like five to 10 missionaries stories that are coming in this summer. That's awesome. Just like, yeah, I just heard that you guys operated last summer and I really wanted to get my hands in on mission this summer. And I knew that you guys would be operating. And so just a testament to God's grace for permitting us to operate last summer and to see how that grace actually comes into the staff we're onboarding for this summer. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. I can't yeah. wait. There's there's nothing better in all of the world than the first day of our equip training conference. I know. When when 100 and 150, 180 bright and shiny and anxious eyes, you know, faces come and uh gather here for the first time. Yeah. Those those opening sessions of worship and yeah. they're explosive. A hundred percent. And yeah. oh, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I, so I, I, well, the, the reason <laughs> the reason I interrupted there is uh, I, I just thought when you were saying that we have a missionary coming in again this year from Spain. So we've yeah. had international missionaries the last couple summers and he was on a, a, a zoom call with me. I was on zoom uh, recently and it was 8 p.m. <laughs> eight, eight, every day, every day for the last yeah, yeah. year and a half. It was 8 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. And so I'm on there and I had forgotten that we had an international missionary yeah. when setting the time. And he chimes in uh, and his name's Tomas. So Tomas, if you're listening, uh, this is for you. <laughs> he chimes in to ask a question and I'm like, Tomas. you're in Spain right now, right? And I just so happen to know that Spain's six hours ahead of us. I'm like... <laughs> Is it 2 a.m. there? And he goes, uh, yes, I've stayed up all night and uh, for, for this Zoom call. And it was amazing. It was like you could just tell that he was tired in his inflection. But I'm like, man, like in a different country, there's someone who's so excited yeah. to serve on mission this summer yeah. that they stayed up till 2 a.m. To go through a training for an mm. hour until what, you know, 3 a.m., 3.15 a.m. So anyway, I will, Tomas, not, I will thanks, not be doing that. Thank brother. you, Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking as you were, as you were sharing. So we just, uh, as we are, we're celebrating the season of Easter here in, in Columbus and I guess in the, in the world, if you're a human being, <laughs> yeah, um, right. at the conclusion of our, of our time of Lent, we had the, we had the great joy to share with, uh, with our missionaries to share with our missionaries in a time of retreat together. Mm-hmm. And, um, Dan, Dan and I were, were, were recording a show, uh, that I think we'll, we'll have aired, uh, last week 
about the um, the retreat that we were that we were experiencing together. And one of the takeaways that I had from it as we're, as we're celebrating this Easter season with such joyful anticipation. So I was prepping a session on Mary at the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. which was a, a beautiful, beautiful invitation to reflection and kind of one of my standard MOs when I'm, when I'm preparing a session that I've, that I've not spoken on before is I'll just, I'll seek insight. Yeah. Um, I'll seek insight from scripture. I'll seek insight from other preachers. I'll seek insight from the writers, you know, saints and, um, and there was a particular preacher that I was I was listening to who was not Catholic, uh, and the statement that she made in reflecting on our Christian experience of Good Friday mm-hmm. is that so frequently, um, so frequently as Christians, we gloss over the experience of Good Friday to get to the joyous celebration of Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. and. Um, while that can be true from a cultural and a secular sense, certainly we don't like to root ourselves in suffering. I think that uh, it actually it, it piques some interest in me because I think personally, as as Catholics, mm-hmm. uh, be, maybe on account of the rich tradition and history that we have mm-hmm. on the beautiful um, tr- you know tradition and practice and experience of Lent and. Uh, and the beautiful nature of, of our understanding of redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, actually, for Catholics, we stall in the Good Friday experience. Yes, um, yeah, we, we stall in the suffering experience, and and there's almost a sense of of like a, a lack of a lack of accessibility or worthiness to even enter into the mm-hmm. into the celebration of of freedom of Easter Sunday. Yeah, well, I love the words in the Mass, by dying you destroyed our death, and by rising you restored our life. Yeah. That, like, it's so important that he destroyed death, but if death was destroyed and I didn't know about it, I wouldn't have restored life, yeah. right? And so it's important to see the both and, because the yep. reason that we hold the crucifix high is because Jesus wed himself to us there, but he wed himself to us there so we could live the resurrection. And yep. that's so important to keep in mind. Yep. So uh, so my, my hope today is that as we jump into a celebration of Easter, we remember Easter is uh, Easter's longer than Lent for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um it's the both and, mm-hmm. and we need to remind ourselves of uh, how it is that we can practically live um, in the midst of the feast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How we can practically take uh, example from Jesus so that we can truly live a, a, mm-hmm. a resurrected life, right? Mm-hmm that we can enjoy this. And this could be a mark of who we are as Christians. That's right. That's right. We have to be able to fast and feast, right? We talk about it all the time, but so often I think Lent rightfully so gets such a great placeholder of a a fast, but let's, let's not lose the fact that he's now risen and it's time to feast. Yeah. So, so we've done a, we've done a handful of shows here um, in the past. Some, I think some of our most uh, the most positive feedback that we've received from shows in the last, in the last year year and a half, um, have been some of the ones where we've talked about, okay, how do we keep our faith alive in the midst of pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. How do you keep our faith alive in the midst of challenging circumstance? How do you maintain a, a missionary focus when the odds are stacked against you? Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how do we how do we keep a missionary heart alive in the midst of, of resurrection, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. How do you keep a missionary heart alive in the midst of victory? What is it that Jesus accomplishes in us that we need to learn to celebrate? Mm-hmm in order to actually live out a life of mission more effectively. Yeah, and that Jesus partners with us in certain ways that we're called to carry out in our lives as him for the sake of those around us. Amen. 
Um, so uh, we what what we're tackling today, friends. I'm, I'm I hope you're excited. I'm I'm affectionately referring to as the five marks of a resurrection missionary. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we've shared before. Uh, you sh- if you're if you're not a stranger to the show, um, you know that you are called to a life of full time mission. Mm-hmm. You are called to live a life as a as a missionary disciple. And what does it mean to do that? Well, it means a lot of stuff. It means a lot of different stuff to different people. And um, for us today, we're going to talk about how the resurrection of Jesus is a mark for us. Is a <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus um, invites us mm-hmm. in accompanying him through that story, through that experience to, to learn about ourselves, what, you know, what should be the marks of how we operate, um, Mm -hmm. on mission, uh, the marks of how we operate in family in business in, in ministry leadership as a son, as a daughter, as a, as a player on the field, right? Um, how is it that we live this life inspired by the work that Jesus has done and promises he will do in each of us. So friends, join us after this uh, this short break, and we're going to get back to the five marks of a resurrection missionary, and I hope you're as excited as I am. All right, we'll check you back here in just a minute. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. You know, I was raised Catholic, but then went to the other side and tried to commit suicide a couple of times several years ago. My Savior happened to be a Catholic priest here locally, and I wanted to say, though, surrounding myself with people like yourself and this radio station. This morning, I felt kind of alone, and then I was like, oh, yeah, EWTF. Oh, I love it. There's all kinds of prayers. There's all kinds of ways of praying. There's all kinds of methods of praying. There's a Salesian method, and Francis de Sale, and Ignatius of Loyola. There's Franciscan methods, and Dominican methods, and you name it, we got it. But sometimes we depend on a method too much. St. Teresa said that prayer was conversation with God. Do you have a hard time conversing with people? No, I don't have a hard time. Well, that's how it is with God. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, once again, Brad and I are coming at you here from the Damascus Media Studio in Central Ohio. Um, Beyond Damascus, if you if you don't know, we are a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and we're, this show is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Today's show, we're going to be looking at the five marks of a resurrection missionary. Um, Brad mentioned before the before the break that there's a there's a balance between um living life from a place of understanding the power and the presence and the um the restorative and the um salvific nature of suffering and at the same time holding that in a beautiful contrast um a complementary uh tension with the fact that Truly, Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, mm-hmm. right? The kingdom of God is here in your midst. Um, we pray it every every Sunday and hopefully more in the Our Father that, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if he didn't believe it was possible, it would be silly to ask us to pray it for 2,000 years, mm-hmm. uh, that it, it's, our, it's, our, it's our responsibility 
to bring heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. And Jesus models this for us. Yeah. Uh, and he, he invites us into that reality. So uh, I believe, friends, that, um, and Brad and I, in, in prepping for today's show, that each one of us as missionaries is, is called to live um, active and, and awake and alive within the season and the context that we're called to minister. And, and for all of us, we have some beautiful lessons to learn in the life of Jesus and in what it is he taught us mm-hmm. after his resurrection and how is it that he invites us as missionaries to step into that call? Yeah. yeah. And how does he, how does he operate in light of his resurrection? Because that should tell us how we should operate in light of his resurrection, right? That we mm. as Christian people are little Christs and we want to operate from a resurrection standpoint. We want to be able to see, okay, God, once you in a very real way brought the kingdom of God to hand yeah. through your resurrected self, what did you show? What did you demonstrate? Let us do that same thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so friends, five marks of a resurrection missionary. We're gonna, we're gonna run through five experiences in scripture and what it is that those hold for us. Uh, I, I, hope that, um, I hope that we are coming today with, with open hearts, ready to be, ready to be convicted and challenged and um, hopefully inspired and, and called to a deeper level of mission um, as, as, as the Lord convicts your heart. All right. First one is, is, is one of my favorites. So, so shortly after Jesus's resurrection, we, we have this experience where, um, where he begins to, to appear to various members of his, of his mission community, right? Mm-hmm. He appears to the apostles. He appears to the women um, tradition holds that that first he appeared to his mother, right? Mm-hmm. Although that's not an account that's that's recorded for us in scripture, and um, and, and then we have this this beautiful story of his appearance to the apostle Thomas, mm-hmm. right? And of course, history has given Thomas the bad rap of of calling him doubting Thomas, right? That, yeah. Oh, God, God, please don't let my identity be defined as the <laughs> the one mistake that I'm ever have recorded as making. Yeah. Um. But but Thomas, uh, a faithful you know a faithful disciple of Jesus, um, one of the twelve, is gathered with the others. Um, like like he was absent when the others were gathered, and the Lord appeared to them. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the midst of their experience uh, of, of the crucifixion of Jesus, um, no one was quite in their right mind at, mm. at this time. And, and we know the story, right? Thomas's relationship, his, his interaction with, with his, his brothers um, was, one of, was one of doubt. Mm-hmm. And uh, how can this thing that you're saying has happened, how can this be? Mm-hmm. This has never happened before ever. Um, I have no context for the way that God could be moving in this particular way. Yet we see in that in that beautiful um, in that beautiful communication that happens between Thomas and our Lord, where where Jesus takes his hands and invites invites Thomas to touch his his wounds, his yeah. healed wounds, um, and then takes his hand and puts it into his side, and. Uh, and and how does the story end? Well, it ends it ends with the blessing of Thomas, right? right. It ends with Jesus identifying, um, you know, Thomas that that blessed are you on account of your faith, right? Right. So so there's nothing there's nothing to look for at the end of the story that would suggest any kind of 
um, lack of confidence in who Thomas is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus then affirms, and blessed are those who have not seen, but have yet believed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to identify from this story, one of the marks of a resurrection miss- missionary is that when Jesus enters the story, he silences the doubt that we as Catholics, we as Christians, we as missionary disciples yeah. experience in our path. Yeah. We're called to silence doubt just as Jesus did. And I, I think to your point, Aaron, we've called Thomas doubting Thomas for millennia, but What's so cool to see is that in the light of the resurrection, Thomas goes from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas, yeah. right? Like we actually should remember that because <laughs> the, the false identity of Thomas yep. is doubting Thomas. The real identity of Thomas is believing Thomas. That's why he was blessed after he comes to belief because what Jesus says is a manifestation of the resurrection yep. is the fullness of belief. So blessed are you, Thomas, and blessed are all those who have not seen what I have just showed you, but still believe because the resurrection is real. It's today. It's forever, right? And so I love that story. And it it is because that is exactly what happens. He silences doubt. And yeah, then that reflection says, okay, then in my life, as a resurrection missionary, how do I silence doubt? Well, I wonder too, I I don't think I've ever thought of this before, but um, as, so as Jesus makes that statement and blessed are those who have not seen, but have yet believed, I've always, you know, I've always read that to be kind of a shame on you, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if, if there's attached to those words, uh, almost an, an apostolic mandate, like how are they going to believe? Well, they're going to believe in the same way that you've come to believe. They're, they're not going to, we're not going to believe in Jesus because we're sitting out in the middle of a cornfield without access to him. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's just like, well, poof, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't need my hand to touch his side. No, yeah. we're going to believe because we're going to see him yes. through one another. One another. Right? Yes. That, that, that the resurrection missionary, right? The resurrection missionary that we actually, we stand in the person of Christ mm-hmm. to reveal him victorious uh, with his scars and his hands and his side. That's right. And to take that further, I think another piece to that puzzle is they're going to believe because they read about you. Yeah. Right. Like let's let's cast off the idea of shame towards Thomas yeah. and maybe Jesus. Blessed are those who have mm. not seen and yet believed. But we didn't see. But I read. Yeah. And I came to believe in the yeah. same way that Thomas did. Right. It was actually. Yeah, like the first in a sequence of of declarations of belief. He says, my Lord and my God, mm-hmm. right? My Lord and my God, the one who is over all things and the one who is worth, worthy of everything, right? Yeah. The one who is due worship, right? Yeah. God, like my Lord, you're over everything. And yeah. my God, you have all the worth. Like that is our response, at least rightly ordered when we read that story. And, you know, I... Think about, we, we run a women's retreat here on site and it is such a joy. So for oh, any yeah. of you listening that have been on the women's retreat, praise God for all of you. And on the women's retreat, uh, a common experience that we have is sending women to our high ropes course here at Damascus <laughs> and our high ropes course. It's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. It, it hangs high over the ground amidst the trees. And as we talk about the activities, 
in the beginning of the day where we send people out to activities, we talk about high ropes. And the first thing you'll hear from a lot of the women is, oh, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do high ropes. They have this internal doubt uh, that they're just not capable of it. Mm. And if you look at it, it's quite possible to think to yourself that you're not <laughs> capable of it. But what I've been constantly edified by is watching our missionaries run high ropes for anywhere from a fifth grader to a mother, right? Yeah. yeah. And as these women come out to high ropes, you'll see our missionaries, they'll give them the basics, they'll put on the harness, the helmet. In the heart of these women, oftentimes they still have a doubt that they can do it. They're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I can't do this. And our missionaries, time and time again, what they encourage them to do is twofold. They encourage them to take a step of faith and make a declaration. Does that sound familiar, right? Take a step of faith, put your hand in my side and make a declaration, my yeah. Lord and my God, right? And so they they do that. And like as these women, first step on the rope ladder, second step, right? And they're saying, I am strong and confident. I am strong and capable, right? They're, <laughs> they're making these statements of truth mm-hmm. and then they're taking steps of faith. And that to me, is such a testament to this reality. Our missionaries, they live as resurrection missionaries because they inspire those around them to take steps of faith and and to make declarations of truth. And I don't yeah. know if there's anything yet greater that you could do in a moment to silence doubt. So we silence doubt through steps of faith and declarations of truth. Mm-hmm. Friends, we've promised you five marks of a resurrection missionary and... Uh, we're going to need to move faster. Than yeah, that that's, that's great. Yeah. So the second one, um, the second one that we've been thinking about is again, Aaron set the context. Well, you have all of these followers of Jesus in an upper room and it says that they were in the room locked in the room for fear of the Jews. Yeah. Why? Well, cause the Jews just killed their Lord, right? Like the Jews <laughs> just murdered the one they've been following. So it would probably be in right order that they think yeah. to themselves, you know what? I might be killed too because I was following every step he took. And if those steps led him to crucifixion, they very well might lead me the same direction. So they're in this room with a context outside that might even lean one towards fear, but it says that they Mm -hmm. were in this room for fear of the Jews. And before Thomas comes back, right, Jesus makes his way in. He says, peace, peace be with you. And this is really cool because he actually, he imparts his peace on the people. And what's really amazing about the mass is every time that I look to the person next to me and offer them peace, that's not supposed to just be a cool word. It's actually an impartation. It's actually my peace I give you, right? Like that's Mm. what Jesus says when he comes to the room. We do that every mass. We impart peace on the person next to us. We impart peace on our kids, on our wife on our husband, on whoever's sitting next to us, like we impart peace. And that's what Jesus does. So the second mark of a resurrection missionary that we want to talk about is the mark that shatters fear, right? It shatters yeah. fear that, that like in, in what shatters fear peace, right? Cause a resurrection missionary lives from a peace that shatters the fear that might be residing in the other. Amen. So, so Mark one is silence doubt. Mark two is the resurrection missionary shatters fear. That's right. And uh, I was thinking, Brad, about times that I've seen this in my own life. I think here, so here's, here's the story in a nutshell, right? That we, we wrap ourselves up in the context that we're in, right? 
it's it's a, it's a truism across every human person that you you mm-hmm. set yourself into a particular um, set of assumptions, right? That's based on your own experience, and it's impossible to to uh, see the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about two two awesome examples that I've shared. I know on the on the past in in this show is um, marriage and. Uh, and the big steps that we were that we needed to take to to fulfill the dream that God had, not that it's fulfilled yet, right? Mm-hmm. That He has more in that plan. He's unfolding. Uh, yeah. That He's unfolding here through Damascus. You know, um, I'll, I was I was really happy with a lot of the um, life goals that I had achieved at the ripe old age of twenty years old, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and um, Monica and myself and our relationship, like we'd, we'd come to a place where we were, we were really comfortable and we knew that there was this, um, that, that the next step for us was clear, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? The next right, right. step was, was going to be a lifelong committed relationship to one another. And, um, I know for my part, uh, there was, there was just this, like this inability to, to see what comes next because I was, because I was really struck by the fear of, of shifting mm-hmm. my situation. Mm-hmm. And there was no amount of like logical decision-making that was going to take me from point A to point B. Yeah. It, it had to be a moment where um, in the, in this case through invitation to think differently from a friend mm-hmm. that, um, that I was invited to be at a place of like, Oh, I am capable of this. Yeah. I am made for this. Right. You know, that, that I don't need to be afraid of losing what I've got. Same thing with Damascus, you know, Dan and myself um, had a real strong, um, strong setup as, as parish youth ministers. We were living the dream, Mm -hmm. um, running a great youth group and summer camp was our summer gig. And as camp continued to explode and grow, it became apparent that in order to do the great thing, we needed mm-hmm. to let go of the good thing. Yeah. But the good thing was really comfortable. It's and the, hard to let and go the of. Great, and the great thing was into the unknown, right? Mm. And um, and praise the Lord that it was, it was, once again, it was through an experience, a profound experience of God where he said, uh, let's, look at, let's look at the way this is lined up. Um, let's see the ways that I've moved in the past. And let's have faith in the fact that I'm present here to move with you into the future. And it was in, it was in submitting that two week mm-hmm. notice to a place that I loved and that I loved working with. I love the people there. It was, it was, it was an incredibly hard decision, but that like those moments of, of allowing the Lord to partner with you and shattering mm-hmm. fear mm-hmm. that just opened up, it opened up a huge horizon um, yeah. that God's, that God's just blessed in abundance. That's right. And then they go forth from that, upper room as we know after Pentecost and they, and they changed the world, right? That like, yeah, when we have resurrection missionaries in our life, like Jesus obviously was in the upper room, we, we burst forth alive, right? Like what could be more true about a missionary than a person fully alive? And there's, again, resurrection is one who comes to life again, right? Uh And so, so the first, so first mark us. of a resurrection missionary is that we silence doubt. The second mark is that we shatter fear. Right? We're card, called to participate with the Lord in silencing doubt and shatter fear. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one uh, is awesome. It's that, we, it's that we reaffirm identity, right? That we reaffirm identity. We see this beautiful image uh, in this, you know, in, in the walk to Emmaus uh, after, after his resurrection, when Jesus meets the two men who... Uh, who are walking on their way to Emmaus, and they're 
they're pondering the scripture, right? They're pondering the events that they've experienced in Jerusalem. Um, and they're kind of, uh, they're, they're gossiping, sharing with each other. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it that's happened? What, it, what is, what is all this stuff that we've experienced? Who knows what their actual experience was in the yeah. city. But um, at the end of the day, what we see is that Jesus comes to them and in revealing himself to them, he transforms their understanding of who they are, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and it's just it's such a beautiful story on so many levels. But what I want to what I want to grab hold of here is that when we um, when we reveal Jesus, that people's the, the incoherence in people's process mm-hmm. begins to make sense. Yes, right. Brad, yes. we were talking earlier that the 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 guys who were walking to Emmaus they they were walking the wrong like the wrong, the wrong direction. Way. Yeah, Jerusalem's the other way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 sort of like this this process where uh, where God meets us where we are, um, and He reveals who He is, and in revealing who He is, we discover who we are. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And even when we're going the wrong direction, and and not e- not even like I, so obviously in that story. What do I mean by they're going the wrong direction? Well, if they're pondering the things in their heart that they're pondering, yeah. they know that the glory to come next is to happen in Jerusalem. So they're walking away from it, right? But so often, like in our lives, we get caught up in what we know and we begin going in a direction that we can very clearly analyze as the wrong direction, yep. but God can accompany us there. And that can be on a path to a destination that's good or bad. One, one example that comes to mind is we have a a mission staff member here and his first encounter with Damascus, he, he didn't even want to come to a Jesus camp. Like that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to like see things unfold in the way that he knew they were going to unfold where he was at. Yet his friend was like, I'm serving at this camp in his words, this Jesus camp, right? That I really think you should come visit. And on his way, he's like, I'm going the wrong direction, right? Like pondering, thinking what exactly is going to come of where I'm going. And so he ends up driving here and he comes into one of our closing masses during the summer and, and he encounters the Lord, the Lord accompanies him in this walk that he, very well could have analyzed as the wrong direction, just in the yeah. same way that these people, I think sometimes we in reading their story, think of ourselves as, I don't know, more learned than them. We know that they were going the wrong direction. I wonder if they, they probably did. They're probably like, yeah, we're wandering this way and we have no idea what is to come. And so too, this mission staff member of ours, his name's Anthony and yeah. he, uh, he's become such a staple of what we do here. And all because he went in, continued along a path that he thought might be in the wrong direction. Jesus accompanied him, revealed himself to him. And now Anthony is fully alive in who Anthony has been called to be. And he would testify to that like time and time again on this show. show. There you go. There you go. (laughs) He would testify to that like every day of his life simply by the way that he is living it. You know, that's so good. So 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 the, the marks of a resurrection missionary, we silence doubt, shatter fear, and we reaffirm identify, identity. Yeah. And then um, I think the fourth mark that was really coming to us when we were prepping for this show is, yeah, we sanctify 
stories, right? We sanctify stories. We sanctify the story of those around us. And that's what Jesus does when he resurrects. He sanctifies our story. And I love the image of Peter when he goes back to fishing, right? Like we all do that. We encounter the Lord and we go back to our old way of life. Like it's Uh so common. It's like, yeah, okay, Lord, you're not close to me right now. So I'm going to go do that thing I used to do. And then then Mm. you're in the thing you're you're in the thing you used to do and you're thinking, why am I doing this again? Right. But yeah. Jesus doesn't like throw shame there. He doesn't cast doubt there like that. None of that is in his operation. Jesus instead in his resurrected body plants himself on shore, starts a fire to cook fish, right? Like he goes <laughs> right in. He says, of course, right. Peter's back doing what he used to do, but instead of totally correcting him, I'm going to instead place myself in his story and bring about my glory in it. Mm. And Peter's out there fishing and all of a sudden he looks to shore and it's the Lord. And, you know, there's a lot of paintings and movies that (laughs) depict this, but you know, like this older man in like old garb that jumps into water and just swims. I don't think he would have been a great swimmer. I don't know, but he swims to shore to find Jesus there. Not saying, why did you go back to fishing? Why did you doubt that I would come through in the way that I'm promising to come through? Like, no, Jesus doesn't say any of that. He says, why don't you sit and have some fish with me? Right? Like you were out there fishing. Why don't we just stay around this fire and and eat together, dine together, you know? And man, that's so important to remember that Jesus wants to sanctify our story. He doesn't want to make our story perfect. For those perfectionists out there, that's me, right? Is I'm always looking to make things unfold in a way that allows me to tell a perfect story later. You don't have to get it right first. No, it's horrible. It's not even a good story when it's right first, you know? (laughs) At least in my life, when I get it right first, it becomes a dull story on the other end. It's like, yeah, I mean, all of that was anticipated. But then when something goes a little bit different, yeah. it makes it intriguing. And Jesus wants that intrigue. And in his resurrected self, he sanctifies Peter's story. So we no longer think about Peter's story of returning to fishing as a net loss. Yeah. No pun intended, right? No net loss. But like we see it instead as a sanctifying moment where we, Jesus meets him. There. I think there's there's I mean, we could we could share hundred testimonies of how, of how we see this transforming the lives of kids who are here on retreat. I want to, I want to give just a, a funny one um, from a parent perspective, right? That uh, I, I, our oldest is 12. So I, we're, I'm certainly preaching to well, well more, well more seasoned parents than myself <laughs> um, in, in capability and time spent. Uh, one of the, one of the fun discoveries that Monica and I have made in, in parenting our kids and praying with our kids is oftentimes the, I don't know, the biggest asset is, um, maybe two things, both resilience and creativity Mm. that, uh, that I need to be ready to respond to the needs of my children that are changing as quickly as they change from day to day. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, there's there's something good to be said about about routine and discipline and habit forming. Um, I I, I've, I think what I've identified is that in our own family night prayer routine, right? In our own family morning prayer process, that um, the most valuable area for me has been in the ability to sit back and to say, 
Lord, what does is, what is Rowan need right now? What does Diggory need right now? And how can I actually shift my expectations yeah. to allow you to reveal yourself in in their passions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In in their experience. Uh, you know, Jesus Jesus found Peter on the beach, uh, cooking some fish mm-hmm. over a fire. Um, one just funny story, you know, I, uh, I was having so much trouble with Rowan. She's, she is just a absolute ball of energy. Right. <laughs> and I, I, my tendency is to want like our evening prayer time to be sit, to sit and to be calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, she was always asking to draw, right. To, to color. I'm like, no, this is not time for coloring. This is time for praying. <laughs> we have a, we had, we had a staff member here at, uh, Damascus. One of his favorite famous quotes was prayer is serious business. <laughs> and, uh, Monica, um, I, I, I'll, I'll give her the full credit for this. She was like, Rowan, why don't you draw a picture of what God's speaking to you? Now, yeah. guess what? Every night, Rowan sits down, and during our family prayer time, she'll draw beautiful, like prophetic pictures of what yeah, God's yeah, speaking. speaking. And she just like she needed, she needed to have her story, her situation, blessed, yeah, by her dad, validated, and by her mom, yeah. And 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 that's and now that's where she she finds the Lord so beautifully and profoundly. Yeah, and it gives us a new vision for heaven too. You know, one of the, the biggest things in ministry that has driven me crazy over the last couple of years is I meet with high schoolers and college students and they're on the fence in faith. And a lot of times they're like, I just don't get the point. Like if heaven's the end, I don't know if it's worth it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and they're speaking to me this, I guess, dumbed down version of heaven that, that they've come to believe in over time, this boring rendition of heaven that if, Heaven is the mass, Brad. I can't even get through an hour of it. And it's, it's, it's like a real, like they're trying to express their hearts in a very real way to me. Yeah. And they're like, I just, I just don't know. And like, no, heaven isn't the absence of your life here. It's, it's the, the fullness and yeah. perfection thereof that like, mm. I don't go and float around as Casper, the friendly ghost for eternity <laughs> doing nothing. Like I go and I do what I was made to do to the yeah. fullest extent of me doing it. Amen. And it's absolutely satisfying forever. Amen. And if we don't, if we don't tell that to people, right. If we don't let them know that in their story, they can find heaven. They can, yeah. they can find it in their story because it's their story perfected. That, that is what it is. Yeah when we lose that concept, when we lose the sanctification of our own story, Mm. then we make the faith boring. And so it's so important that one of the marks of a resurrection missionary is to sanctify stories. Yeah. So silence, doubt, shatter, fear, reaffirm identity and sanctify the story. Um, friends, there's one more mark and we're going to force you to come back after the break to hear about it. So, uh, this is beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Today, we're looking at the five marks of a resurrection missionary. And I hope you'll join us, uh, here after the break to hear mark number five. Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. 
I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to, or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger, and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. This has been an awesome show. We're talking about the five marks of a resurrection missionary. Mark number one was that we silence doubt. Mark number two is that we shatter fear. We reaffirm identity. We sanctify the story. And what's the fifth mark of a resurrection missionary? One who accompanies the resurrected Lord, who sees transformation in people's lives in the same way that Jesus did. Well, this is kind of a cheap shot, but we're going to... we're going to use the the tagline of the show. The fifth mark of a resurrection missionary is living a lifestyle where encounter meets mission, mm-hmm. right? Where actually our mission flows from an encounter of intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. We uh, I think the best, it's just the best scenario possible is this, this is the beautiful, the beautiful image that we see um, at this moment of Peter's restoration into ministry mm-hmm. where Jesus, Jesus asks Peter three simple questions and they're all the same question. He asked Jesus, or I'm sorry, Peter, do you love me? Right? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And it's in, it's in Peter's response of yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I love you. Yes, Lord. I love you. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Right? It's, it's there that Peter's actually restored uh, just a quick observation, right? Peter um, Peter receives a a truly apostolic call from Jesus uh, during his earthly ministry. When when Jesus makes those famous those famous words to Peter, like Peter, you are a rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of the nether will 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 never prevail against it. And uh, yet Peter throws away his mission when when. At the at the Lord's lowest hour, when he mm-hmm. how does he do it? He he denies relationship. Yeah, right. He denies relationship. He says, "I, I don't know him." Mm-hmm. And and how is that? How is that mission restored? The mission's restored when the relationships restored. Yeah, when there's the encounter, and it's so profound, right? Because he denies him three times. Yeah, and Jesus asks Peter, "Do you love me?" Three times, like, and I know that we've heard these things, but they matter, right? It's yeah. Each one of those areas where you have shame, Peter, let me bring that out of you, right? Yeah. And and I I love it so much because if for those of you out there who've heard this, uh, forgive me, but for those of you who haven't, I think this will be revelatory for you. Like Jesus is asking him, "Do you agape me?" And the response that Peter gives is, "I filio you." So agape is one of the Greek words for love that means sacrificial love, godlike love, and Filio is brotherly love. And so he says, do you agape me, Peter? And Peter says, well, I filio you, Lord, right? Like this lesser form of love to his um, mind. And then Jesus says, do you agape me? That's the second question. And then Peter says, well, I filio you, Lord. And then Jesus meets him. This is where the encounter happens, right? Peter, do you filio me? I filio you, Lord. He's putting together all of the marks that we've been talking about in this encounter. And this is where it meets mission. And uh, the, 
this is, I guess, not a real life testimony, but the this thing is, that this came, is real, this is real as it gets, Brad. <laughs> but what came to my mind as an example of this in the Chronicles of Narnia, there's this amazing scene, and this picture is just like ingrained in my mind. And it's where Edmund, after he's rescued from the White Witch, he goes off to talk to Aslan. Mm-hmm. And Aslan is looking at Edmund. Edmund has his head down, his like his countenance, if you will, has like fallen. And Aslan is just so confidently looking at him and having this conversation. And we can only, you know, imagine what all that conversation entailed. Mm. But in this encounter with this leader that still had belief in him, even after he had belief in himself, right? In that encounter with Aslan, Edmund is able to become who Edmund was made to be. So too, Peter, right, is able to become the leader of the church, right, that now has over a billion people. And it's amazing because, again, Edmund dabbling with the White Witch where he shouldn't be, doing the things he shouldn't be doing. Aslan, does he return him in shame? No, he returns him to himself and has a conversation, an encounter with Edmund. Then Edmund goes and lives his mission. So too with Peter. Amen. So there you have it, friends, the five marks of a resurrection missionary. We live in the middle of a, of a both and where we, uh, not, we not only survive struggle, but we, we have the ability to partner with God in seeing suffering redeemed. And at the same time, we are called to live truly in the midst of the feast, in the midst of a, a resurrection life. And the marks of a resurrection missionary are one who partners with God in not only in their own life, but in the life of others, silencing doubt, shattering fear, reaffirming identity, sanctifying the story, and finding mission in encounter. Friends, it's our prayer today that God would do that again in you, like he's done in the testimonies that we've shared today, and that you'd see a new explosive season of finding effectiveness in your own life, and your own personal ministry through uh, seeking the resurrected Lord and receiving from him the power and the grace that he promises. Thanks so much for joining us for Beyond Damascus. This is the show where encounter meets mission Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We record here in studio at Damascus, and we are aired across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. Uh, Friends, if you like today's show and you want to share it with a friend, please check out the podcast wherever podcasts can be found. Otherwise, we'll see you here next week. God bless.